0: The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Call me
1: Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin.
2: And I am Eric Deutsch.
1: And we welcome back Pete Wright of Marvel Movie Minute and the Next Real Podcast. You're pushing it too Ooh. hard, Molly. Oh my god, I do that though. Please don't split in half. <laughs> 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 it's so good to be back thank you guys
0: as you know if if you need me to we can launch into the pete sings the praises of molly and eric section of the show
1: oh we can wait on that for the third one i'm All just, right. i'm All so right. we'll high hold off, off. your praise you know i'm just gonna From basket yesterday. it i know the the pete praise pool is so good warm <laughs> <eight>. praise pool
0: <laughs> i'm starting a newsletter on Substack. it's called pete's praise pool <laughs>
1: You don't got to dip your toe in, girl. You can get all the way in. (laughs) Uh,
0: Unrelated, Molly and I are going into a marketing business together because that's awesome.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, uh, before we make fat stacks with the marketing business, uh, let's chat minute 86. So, minute, (laughs) minute 86 begins with the aftermath of the cab hitting the mine and hitting the Mustang and it progresses sadly with not all of our protagonists making it. And we see just how deadly the bridge really is. So the first thing I'd like to call out as we start here is the sound, Uh, because we do have this moment where, you know, the back of the seat kind of like drops and it's really smoky and we get the shot of snake. And what I noticed is it was really quiet that you just kind of hear the night sounds here, and I feel like that's a really nice subliminal trick to kind of get us feeling that something bad has happened. There's been a trauma that's occurred here.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's fantastic, and it, it, it to remove any sort of of score which we need. Here, because for a number of things we talked about last time, like the the car splitting in two serves a a narrative point, which is to slow everybody down. Like we need Mm. you to take a break uh, and take a breath because we're about to show you something that should affect you emotionally. Um, and you know, we're going to do some more just wide shots, some more, we're going to see some more kind of environmental stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be important that you slow down to, to be ready to see this, but also because, um, you know, it, it's, it's a relief, I think for me, at least to have the electronic sounds out of my head. Like I actually, Mm. I feel like my heart rate slows naturally (laughs) when, when it's, they stop kind of pummeling me with a little bit of that, the kind of, of score that this one is. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I actually have I actually have a note. M- may I? I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought. No, no, you got it. Roll. This is something that you said last time, that uh, it was that the brake in the car when it splits is too clean. And it, at right about second 56 of yesterday's minute, everybody, go back to yesterday's minute and scrub to second 56, and you will see it looks like they used like metal shears and just cut the car in two. Right. When you see mm-hmm. Snake and as kind of smoke is coming out in this minute, scrub to, I don't know, 15, 16 or maybe 13, 14. They have re-burnt the car for the close ups. Yes. And my yeah. question for you, Molly, is does that satisfy your uh, uh, sort of need for the for that story point? Does it make more sense here than it did, nay, a minute ago?
1: Yeah, I absolutely think it does. Um, I I would say that I would want it to have been even a little bit more, you know, mangled, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe to have a little bit more of smoke treatment. So, you know, right around like, say, second 20, um, where you still see the back, you see the back half, you know, of the passenger side, that there, you can see that it's a little bit rough on the hood. Um yeah. but <laughs> it's, it's, it's so a... funny
0: watching them get out of the back half. It's like they're getting off like a Ferris wheel.
1: <laughs> oh my so, god.
0: So ridiculous. Or a ski <laughs> lift, right? They just got off of the top of this mountain.
2: I actually love how Snake gets out of his half because he actually has to open the door. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. He's in a car that is split in half, there's literally nothing behind him, but he actually opens the door to get out. <laughs>
1: a very civil move. <laughs> oh, it's good.
2: Uh, and I would also like to add that while the car indeed was split in two, the uh, the upholstery in the interior appears to be in pretty decent condition.
0: Yeah, somebody's going to be able to salvage that. Yes. That, that seat is going to end up in somebody's, you know, ballroom. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you know, now we get to right around second 24, which is the principal thing of this minute which is the reveal of cabbie yeah yeah our
2: our one real happy positive character in this movie uh and he is the first of the people that have been helping out snake to go
0: ernest borgnine do you i i, I struggle a little bit with ernest borgnine mostly because i love him so much and I kind of feel like the movies that he's most known for, he's a punching bag in some way, shape or form because of his good nature Mm. all the way to, you know, his role as the the co-pilot of Airwolf. Like he was a punching bag uh, for, uh, you know, his drug addled pilot (laughs) and. Uh, And so I look at this, I'm like, of course they're going to kill Borgnine. Of course. You've never seen this movie, but you're a fan of Ernest Borgnine. The second you see his charming, rotund face, you realize he's going to eat it. And that he eats it in his own cab. You guys, come on.
2: Although there is a certain poetry in that the cab dies and he dies with the cab. You know, he's been driving the cab for 30 years. He doesn't like leaving her out alone at night. They go down together.
1: They go down together. Captain goes down with the ship. Yeah. That's the woo I'm talking about, that his soul is intertwined with the cab, you know, that he's this, uh, he shows up at just the right time inexplicably. Like, this is that kind of, and I never really saw him this way, but because he's so, like, oddly good-natured, he's almost like, um, I don't know, like a, a narnia type creature in in the course of this that he's just like so so like good and generous in his own I mean he does run away at one point but you know whatever like life's hard so like I forgive him that but he he is this I don't know like this like really benevolent force and and you know really help them out and yeah there's something I don't know David Lynchian about him going down with the cab you know their their souls are intertwined and so he just couldn't survive without it
2: And he said that uh, when they had the very first screening of this movie and his character died, the whole crowd went,
1: aww. Yeah. Yep,
0: yep. He's the I mean he's the the consummate ally figure you know if we're going to be looking at the hero's journey like he is the yeah. he's the character that helps you know overcome the obstacles and he you know he's the journeyman ally he's the guy with the vehicle like he's he might as well have been riding on the winged you know horse uh, and for perseus like he's he is that that character, um, and and so it's it is a great loss, and I think it's a it, it's a predictable and at the same time courageous choice to to kill him in this way, and I find myself watching it and wishing for even more. Like I kind of mm. wish they had had more of an opportunity to to demonstrate even briefly a greater sense of grief. Because I think he was important to Snake, and I think we're missing that.
1: Um, yeah, I think these are some of the most powerful minutes in the whole movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I feel like they, even though you know we have, you know, in the next three, four minutes, beyond that, like the last few, as it as it wraps up, I think even even those, which are supposed to, I think, be like the resolution, the real punch. I feel like this really is like the crux of the entire. Like this is the soul of the movie right here. Yeah. Is these people really just trying to make it out, you know, right. and, and that there's more, I think, human connection and even things that are really, you know, unsaid in these last couple of minutes that are just like about the, the acting you know with with very i mean this whole thing is like this is like the leanest movie ever like to the point where it pisses people off because there mm-hmm. isn't enough like contextual plot to it but i feel like this really i mean the the acting really does just completely shine here and the the essence of these characters really you know just come out in 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 these last few minutes and it's so random because like we really don't have you know i think we get really accustomed to main characters kind of dying in the current TV landscape. But I think in the context of like when this came out, I think this type of like intimate protagonist going down was not as much of a thing, you know,
2: that is a really good point about um, the, the lack of dialogue with the acting in these minutes. I, I while, while you were uh, making that point there, I, I was taking a look at this when snake pulls Cabby's body back. So he knows he's dead. And, and it's about a 10 second long shot of Cabby sitting there dead and Snake all you're seeing are his forearms and his gun you don't see mm-hmm. his face at all he's barely even in the shot and we hold this shot for about 10 seconds and Snake has got minutes left to live and he takes almost 10 seconds to just stand there it's like his little salute to Cabby you know he's willing to waste those 10 seconds here at, you know he doesn't say anything because it's not snake style. You know, he doesn't, you know, pat him on the shoulder or anything like that. But he, he takes his time to just honor him.
0: Mm-hmm. Y- you know, I-, I think that's a really good point. But I, I would, uh, I disagree that it's a stylistic choice about this character. And I would only say that because I, I think that... That Carpenter has an enormous amount of faith in the audience at this point. And I think that was the stylistic trope of the period, too. That uh, in, in you know, looking at these strong kind of action heroes, there was always this sense that we're gonna let the audience figure out the emotional structure of a scene because we're gonna let these actors do what they do best. And we we have there there was a, a more natural sense of restraint in dialogue but just imagine what would happen if they remade this today first of all you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson's going to be in it as <laughs> of course he is and yep. when this moment happens I dare you to try to convince me that there isn't a grieving monologue I dare you because I know that that's a kind of thing that that writers and directors don't have that same sort of natural trust in the audiences of today to figure out what's going on without it being described to them.
2: And you know what? I don't even think it would be a monologue. I think it would be a dialogue. I think that the guy wouldn't be dead yet. And he'd be like coughing and like, <laughs> they'd, like they would clasp hands, you know, and you know it was right. like, you know, you are my brother, you know, you know, I'll never forget, you know, and there would be a there'd be a 30-second conversation and then he'd yes.
0: die. And then because muscles, Dwayne the Rock Pliskin, would carry him out even though he's dead, and he would hoist him up on that rug ro- because, you know, muscles. Right. Yeah, no, I think we've just rewritten the movie. It's great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so, um, before they they show that Cabby is dead and the three of them are getting out of their uh, Ferris wheel uh, cab car, <laughs> so it's a real interesting contrast between how Maggie and Brain are right now. Maggie is all business; she is dragging the president behind her. Uh, you know, she's you know she knows the clock is ticking and like you know we got to move. Brain stops to make a fucking one liner.
1: Yeah,
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> so right, you asshole. It's you know, know. it's like, dude. What are you fucking kidding me? And I love this part too because I specifically looked this up. We've talked several times about how Harry Dean Stanton asked it was okay to ad lib. John Carpenter said, "Go ahead, as long as you don't screw with my script." And the script does not have the you asshole. And I specifically looked that up because I just I said I bet you that you asshole is a Harry Dean Stanton ad lib, and it was.
0: Nah, Harry (laughs) Dean Stanton is a troll. He's a troll. awesome you know that's an it it gets us to the next uh big moment and in my head as i was watching these minutes before the movie my head the next big moment was actually in the next minute i am relieved to be able to talk about it now which is the the mine uh uh, harry dean stanton versus the mine (laughs) Mm. it doesn't go well for harry and uh and so here we have the loss of a great Right and and sort of emotional center of the movie in Cabbie and then we have the death of the 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 jester right the, the sort of comic foil uh, as he flies in the air and lands on a on the cab one right after the other is the death of Brain diminished because of its proximity to the death of Cabbie
2: I think that I I think the short answer is yes. But I think also it gets a greater shock because you are not expecting two main characters to die within 40 seconds of each other. And so mm-hmm. you figure, oh, okay, Cabby's dead. Let's see what happens next. Oh, oh, I didn't even have time to finish that thought. Now Brain's dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way because it's uh, – it, and it's been so long since I've seen this movie for the first time that uh, – uh, that I, I haven't haven't looked at it that way, but I think you're I think you're exactly right. Like let's just let's just set up a surprise, and people won't even notice that you know we're we're rounding third again. Yeah,
1: mm. Mm. yeah, and I think it has a good point that obviously the map that was provided is bullshit. <laughs> you know, well that's. <laughs> well, I, so I was going to
2: ask you both that. What your thoughts? That's a joke. Is the, that I was going to ask you both what you thought. Is the map imperfect, or did Brain read it wrong? Because there would be an incredible irony if Brain has spent this whole movie talking about this map and actually he fucked up and he read it wrong and that's why he dies.
0: Which is funnier. I think they're going because of his character, I think they're going for your for your point that he just he just doesn't know how to read a map and that makes it that makes it more sort of comically aligned to his character.
1: I mean the thought did occur to me that maybe he has it just flipped. That he's reading it from the wrong end of the of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which could
2: have happened. <laughs> I mean it was just in the car that exploded. It might have, you know, gotten turned around or something.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. But it also is interesting that none of them listen to him. Which is also part of this is like, this is the guy who has the map. So obviously, everyone either thinks he's full of crap, or they've already determined that the map is crap. And we're just going to go ahead and, and take our chances. Or it's the group think because snake happens to be going that way. And we're all just following snake.
0: Right. He has the, the traditional sort of tropes of masculinity. We're just going to follow the biggest testosterone vessel. Uh, (laughs) And and there's something that like that brain has like this Cassandra complex, right. That, that he, he may be the one who knows everything, but nobody believes him. And that's his gimmick. Like he knows how to get off the, the island. He knows where all the mines are, but it doesn't matter because no one will ever really listen to him.
2: An incredible, uh, thing a thing that really changes the whole meaning of this conversation this scene in the script he does not run the wrong way he slips and hits the mine
0: oh which
2: which is just would have been awful i I mean that would have really sucked i'm very glad he decided to film it this way instead
1: really i kind of feel like i kind of like the idea of him just messing up and dying for it huh you know
2: this is a bigger mess up though that he ran the wrong way instead of (laughs) instead of just like oh oops i tripped oh you know
0: yeah i I, i'm sort of torn on that i could go either way but i really see like if he tripped that's like season eight of the walking dead kind of death like it's it's really we've given up and just hate humans and so everybody's going (laughs) and uh, so I, I feel like this one this one is okay, but whatever the case is, it's kind of counter character, and that's why I think I have trouble to it, like for with it, uh, like it brings up more questions about Carpenter's intentions with this character, and I think it does disservice. Uh, as many times as I've seen this movie, I'm just not convinced that it's as authentic as it could be, especially in such proximity to the death of Cabbie. Yeah, so.
2: I mean, he certainly goes the the way the cars were mostly unaffected by the mines. He certainly. The way he goes flying does seem a bit out of proportion unless
0: right. he, <laughs> you're
2: right. that
0: he stepped on, you know, or, or, you know, we have to remember it was just 30 seconds ago that an entire checker taxi was split in two by one of these mines and he just gets thrown in the air. I, you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, uh, there should have been parts. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's fair. That's a, There should have been parts flying. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair thing to say uh and that I, this
0: guy is the guy who just the next year goes and makes a truly gruesome like movie that he could he was capable of parts is what i'm saying <laughs> Carpenter was capable of parts and didn't give us parts
1: yeah and i but i can also see the case for to not go you know well i mean he did actually go gruesome because there was a head on a pike he had the head on the pike there was a know? head on a pike yeah so he, the, he he had it in him. Um, and I don't know if he just didn't want to, you know, do that to Brain, which yeah. I can see a case for. Um, but I like the idea kind of going back to the the original conception in the script. I like the idea of it being an accident cuz it just shows how deadly this situation is. Mm. It just reinforces mm-hmm. that and that it was it was an accident. I think it's very shocking. Not that this isn't shocking. And I do like that it, it the proximity I think also adds to the shock. That's like, oh, we just lost Cabbie. Oh, we just lost a piece of our heart. Oh shit, now brain's going down. Oh my God. You know? So it really has this this quickening sense of like, oh my God, people are getting picked off. I will say, and I never caught this before, and it's like second fifty two, fifty-three, where everybody pauses for just a moment and the present just keeps running. <laughs> it just I had to stand exactly.
2: It's not, Molly, it's not just that it keeps running. Brain's body isn't even done rolling off the car onto the ground and he's already running.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Donald Donald (laughs) (laughs) Pleasant. He had places to go. He just knew he had some urgent business. He didn't have time for such frivolity as grieving.
1: Just a coward. Dick move. It's, it's so incredible. Be like, whoa.
0: All right. Well, let's we uh, forget, though, right. that it, had this been more appropriate to 1997, Donald Pleasant should have been Bill Clinton. What would Bill have done?
1: Oh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> we got to get to the other side of this bridge.
0: I got to go meet a lady about a rope.
1: Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You realize it's been almost 24
1: hours since I got laid. Come on. <laughs> you probably would have stayed with Maggie then if it would that's have been true. Joel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Maggie, we got easy
0: entrance to the back of this taxi cab now. What do you think?
1: Oh, man. <laughs>
0: terrible, terrible Clinton impersonation, but this is really fun. Let's do a new podcast. Okay.
2: Oh, my God, I can think of a different kind of explosion. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ oh god what am, what am i okay uh, <laughs> bad eric bad eric uh so uh yesterday we talked about how in uh the script there was that little scene with how can remy standing on top of the wall now that was uh the draft script when we get to the shooting script that scene's gone and there's a different scene um first of all uh a second bad guy car is shown being knocked out uh, one of the other Duke's cars, remember in the script, there were four cars, not just the Duke's car. Uh, another one gets knocked out in this minute. That car hits a mine and actually flips end over end over the bridge into the water. And then they show, we cut to Hauk, Remy, and the Secretary of State in the control room. And Remy says, it's Wall Station 19. They spotted two cars on the 69th Street Bridge. Hauk says, it's a Pliskin." Remy shrugs and says, taxi cab and a Cadillac. The taxi hit a mine. Four people are on foot. Secretary of State screams out, 14 minutes! Houck says, get a Jeep with a winch over there, fast! Cronenberg, get over to Wall Station 19, they're coming across the bridge. So, it's just, it's taking what was said in yesterday's minute, making some slight changes to it, and then ultimately being cut from the movie anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, it doesn't really, it it wouldn't have really added anything, and frankly, it would have have taken away from, I, I don't think we need to be cutting away from the bridge now. You know, this is this is the climax of the movie, and we don't need to be cutting to the control room anyway right now.
0: Right, right. Those cuts just increase sort of momentum, right? They just build up a pace, and what you want is, again, we've we've already established this is a sequence where we have to slow down and reflect. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So uh, some more car notes um, here. The car that is lying on its side when that brain does run on one side of it everyone else runs on the other side of this is a 1971 chevrolet vega gt and this unlike the car in yesterday's minute is not a car that is very popular for use Uh, it was in the movie never been kissed which i've never seen and it was in an episode of everybody hates chris a tv show i never watched and (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: dude that you get the gold medal for references (laughs) this minute. That's also,
0: the car has never been in my parking garage. Hey! I've never seen this car. This car does not exist.
2: I, apparently, everybody hates this car. <laughs>
0: That's, right. That's great.
2: And then the Nobody... car that uh, Brain's body lands on is a 1968 Chevy Impala Custom Coupe and it takes the title from the other car because this is literally the only use this model has ever had in any movie ever.
1: Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's fantastic the few the proud That's exactly <laughs> right this car still is able to say hey wasn't i was in that movie that one time that's
1: right oh uh, it's like it's pickup line for life <laughs> Great, <that's> right <laughs> hey baby <laughs> i mean
0: i'm no 71 corolla but i do have creds on imdb
1: <laughs> oh man well as we round out this minute uh we have a moment of maggie and she's walking towards brain with that that sense of like exceptional shock
2: yeah and yeah i gonna. i think I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna hold my comments on this for tomorrow's minute because um I, it's we only get like a second of it here but yeah yeah she is she is legit you can tell she is legitimately sad in that moment there
1: Hmm. yeah
0: yeah i agree i'm gonna i'm i shall practice withholding as well yeah <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I mean, I guess in that case, does anyone have anything else for this minute?
0: No, I'm good here. Nope. No, Although, right. did you know? Okay, yeah. I do have one more thing. Yeah. Did you know that that uh, Ernest Borgnine was Mermaid Man in SpongeBob? Have you talked about that? Of course. My yes. kids love that Thank show. Oh, I couldn't let that go. I just That was <laughs> my last note is make sure you talk about Mermaid Man. All right. Now you may end the show.
2: And okay, I admit it. I love that show too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never watched it. I I, I never of watched it before not. I had kids. I, I, I you know I I had no problem watching cartoons. That that's not one I had watched till I had kids. That is definitely one of the few shows my kids watch that I genuinely enjoy watching with them.
0: Oh, I I think I'm not too proud to say I'm deeply glad that I had kids because I watch all kinds <laughs> of stuff I would never have watched.
2: Uh, all right, tell uh. To tell everyone where your cartoon watching self uh, can be heard on the internet. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm about to start the "SpongeBob SquarePants by Minute" uh, <laughs> podcast. I, uh, you can find me and my comrades uh, over at the dot com. There, you can uh, find out uh, all of our shows and series that we've talked about. Uh, we've been talking about since. 2011 we've got we've got a back catalog for you and the marvel movie minute if you're interested in uh marvel movies one minute at a time you can catch our season one where we talked about iron man one minute at a time
2: all right awesome uh if you want to chat with us come on facebook to brains library the escape from new York minute hangout come on to twitter and minute pod and until tomorrow be on time stay out of the sewers and we'll meet you on the other side of the
0: wall